This is part five now on 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 4, and I want us to think about the nature of God's grace, somewhat about his peace, as he is, as as Paul wishes it and prays it onto the church. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he he uses one of these bi-directional kinds of language called a benediction or a blessing. And he he says, May grace come to you, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So this grace is flowing as Paul prays it down or prays it in to the church, flowing from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We should never think, oh, God is gracious and the Lord is just an implementer, or no, God's angry and Jesus is gracious. No. Neither of those is right. Grace and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. These are sources. They are reservoirs. They are fountains of grace. And Paul, at the beginning of the letter, is pouring out that grace upon the church inasmuch as he can call it out from God to be there for us. So what I want us to see is this, Uh, and then we're going to look at text to show it. Here's God, and regularly we think of grace as something in God, it's in the circle here, and that it's an attribute of God. We could say God is gracious, meaning he treats us better than we deserve, and that's absolutely true. That's true. What we don't as often see is that flowing out from God to the, like a smaller circle here, Christian should be infinitely smaller, but can't draw that. Christian, when when this grace, which is an attribute of disposition to treat us infinitely better than we deserve, flows out, it becomes an act, and that act is called grace. And we don't as often think about grace as God's powerful, let's even say that, powerful act into the lives of Christians. We think grace is simply that disposition in the Godhead, and it results in various kinds of Things, namely, he sends Jesus to die for us. But if you look at the word grace in Paul, it is regularly more than an attribute of God. It is an act of God, a powerful grace. So let's go look at some texts now to see what I just said. And we'll start in 2 Thessalonians and then branch out. To this end, we always pray for you, chapter 1, verse 11, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill 
fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith. So they have resolutions for good. God's going to fulfill those resolutions. They, they do works of faith, and that's how these resolutions are going to be fulfilled, by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. And all of that accords with, it's according to, the grace of our God and of the Lord. Same two sources that we saw back in chapter 1, verse 1. So I'm saying this according to grace here is that it's not simply that grace is an attribute, but that grace is extending in this fulfilling and in these works. And by this power, grace is becoming an act. This will be more clear as we keep going. Second Thessalonians 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, so same two, right? Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father, exactly the same phrases from chapter 1, verse 1, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So he's saying that this eternal comfort and this good hope was given. This good hope and this comfort was given through grace. Grace was the instrument by which we tasted the comfort and the hope. Second Timothy 2, 1-2, or just verse 1, I think. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So here, strengthening, spiritual inner strengthening is experienced by the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 4-6, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So there's the supernatural act of new birth, new creation, raising us spiritually from the dead, and the sentence could have continued, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. But he breaks off and inserts a parenthesis. God made us alive supernaturally, unilaterally. Dead people don't help raise themselves from the dead. He made us alive. That is, by grace you have been saved. In other words, this resurrection power was by grace. Grace did that. Grace moved out from God and made this Christian alive. Two more texts. 1 Corinthians 15.10. These last two texts are the ones that are most practically compelling to me as I think of grace moving in our lives as a power, not simply a disposition to pardon sinners or treat us better than we deserve. 1 Corinthians 15.10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace 
toward me. So there you have the movement. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked. So the effect of this grace moving toward Paul in power was that he worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Now, that seems to me to be about as clear as you can get, although the last text may be even clearer, that this grace is not simply residing in God. It is with me. It's with me because it came toward me, and it had the effect of empowering me, and I worked very hard, and it was not I that was working. It was grace from God toward me, with me, that was working. That is so powerful. We need to really grasp this so that we can live in the present, immediate, powerful experience of God's disposition to treat us better than we deserve actually arriving in our lives with effect. Last text, 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So it's coming out from God to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The effect of grace abounding to you is just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. The effect is abounding in work. This is a very effective, present power, not just pardon. So, when you hear Paul saying, I am writing this letter to send grace to you and peace, the peace is that God has established his peace through Christ, and there is no more animosity between God and his people. We are reconciled in peace, and we can be at peace with each other. And grace in power is coming to accomplish that peace and everything else we need, because it's not simply, although this is glorious, a gracious disposition in God. It is an act, a powerful act, that enables us to do every good work.